Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make Him known. Our fifth lesson is from John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. One day, about 15 years ago, somebody handed me something that changed my life. I remember the day really well. They just handed it to me, and I held it in my hands. It didn't weigh very much, less than a gallon of milk, but the weightiness of that moment was life-changing. The person who handed this to me was a nurse, and what she handed me was our firstborn son, my almost 15-year-old boy, Riley. I remember the day so well. I remember his tiny little features, his face, his eyes, his eyelashes, his little fingers and his toes, the smell. And I remember being so surprised. That little baby was full of surprises. I was surprised by how much I could love somebody. I was surprised how much he changed our world. It's easy to forget that at the center of the Christmas tradition is a newborn baby, baby Jesus, in the midst of all of it, the traditions, the carols, the food, the family coming in and out of town, the gifts under the tree. At the center of it all is a little newborn baby. Can you imagine, can can you just picture with me, holding baby Jesus as Mary and Joseph did? Those little tiny features. 
Just like when I held our firstborn son, who was full of surprises, so too Jesus is full of surprises. And in John chapter 1, which Pastor Heather just read for us, there are two big surprises about Jesus. Let me show you what they are. Let's be surprised together by Jesus. The first big surprise about Jesus in John 1 is the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, John was not written in English. It was written in Greek 2,000 years ago. And the word that we've translated as word was in Greek the word logos. Logos. And this was a common phrase in Greek philosophy. And it basically meant the divine reason that held together the entire cosmos. This divine reason, this being, it's almost like a force that they believed in that held together the cosmos. And look what John chapter 1 is saying. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. But then in the next verse, it shows us that the Logos wasn't some force. No. The divine reason holding the cosmos together is a person. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Surprise. We thought we were just holding a tiny little innocent baby. But according to John chapter 1, this is the Logos. This is the divine force holding together the cosmos. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, which is written after Jesus had grown up and died and rose again, it says this about Jesus. He upholds the universe. By the word of his power. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's a surprise. A moment ago, we imagined ourselves holding baby Jesus in our hands. But according to this verse, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He's got the whole world in his hands. Surprise. Maybe... You haven't thought about Jesus that way before. Maybe you've just thought about Jesus as a moral teacher. He was a moral teacher. He's become a quite famous one in world history. Some of his teachings are still known to this day. Turn the other cheek. That was Jesus. Go the extra mile. Jesus. Do unto others what you would have them do to you. We call that the golden rule. Jesus. He was a good moral teacher, but he also has this power. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's just the first surprise we see in John chapter 1 about Jesus. I told you he was full of surprises. The second surprise we see in this chapter is almost like the inverse of the first surprise. The first surprise is the power of Jesus. The second surprise is the humility of Jesus. Verse 14, and the Logos became flesh and dwelled among us. 
And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Logos, the divine reason holding together the cosmos, the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power, became flesh. The creator became one of the creatures. It's hard to wrap your mind around that. It's like an author of a story making himself small enough to fit within the pages and, in fact, the narrative as a character within the story. It doesn't make sense in our finite minds. It doesn't add up. How can we wrap our minds around this? Great humility. I was trying to think about how to convey the miracle of the Logos becoming flesh. And I remembered being nine years old, 1987. I remember seeing images in the newspaper and on television of Princess Diana. Can you picture her? So beautiful, so elegant, so other. She floated through the room as far as I could tell as a nine-year-old. She was like untouchable. And at that same time in history, in the 1980s, there was this other group of people I was learning about from the newspapers who, on the other end of the spectrum, were untouchable. If she was untouchable on one side of the equation, there was this group of people we were reading about, these people who had contracted a disease called AIDS. And we didn't know all that much about the disease AIDS. We knew that you could get it and it would probably be fatal. And so nobody wanted to be around people with AIDS. They were untouchable. They were marginalized. They were outcast. And I remember seeing this photograph. If you're old enough, you'll remember it too, probably. If you're not old enough, if you can just imagine this with me. There was this photograph in the newspapers of Princess Diana, beautiful, elegant, radiant. And there was a picture of her holding the hand of an AIDS patient. And there were more pictures that came out. I remember one in a field hospital somewhere in Africa, and she was surrounded by children and babies, all AIDS patients, and she was just holding them with this radiant, gracious smile. See, what she had done is she had collapsed the distance between the untouchables the royal princess and the outcast. And with her grace, she had collapsed the distance between the two. That's humility, surprise. And if you think that's surprising, wait till you hear what it says about Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2, it says this, Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or clung to, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, seated on the throne of the universe, stepped down from his throne, came all the way here to earth, in the form of a human, not only that, in the form of a servant, not only that, someone who was obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why would he do such a thing? Why would he show such humility? 
the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power, the one who holds the whole world in his hands, allowed those hands to be pinned to a cruel cross. Why? Well, he was looking down at all the earth and he saw all the darkness from all of our sin, all the wrongs we do against one another. And he noticed that that darkness caused a separation between us and God. And when he came down from earth and died in our place, he was absorbing onto his own self all the darkness, all the consequences of all the sins of humanity onto his own body. Thus removing that darkness barrier between us and God. You see what he was doing? He was collapsing the distance between us and God. Surprise. His power and his humility. You see, what Jesus was doing for us is something we could not do for ourselves because we are not powerful enough to overcome our sin. Are we? I mean, if we were, all the problems in the world would have gone away by now. And we're not humble enough to do what Jesus did and actually face the consequences of our wrongdoing. We needed someone who was both powerful and humble, fully God and fully man. Jesus, our Savior, stepped in and collapsed the distance between us and God the Father. Hallelujah. That day that he died on the cross seemed like a dark day. But in fact, the light of his power and humility was just flickering into more flame because three days later he rose from the dead. He walked out of his own tomb, the only one in human history who's ever walked out of his own death on his own power, proving he was who he said he was, the savior of the world. And like a flickering flame, his power still lasts to this day. It says in verse 5 of our reading, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In a moment, we will hold little flames in our hands. It's a good metaphor for Jesus, so humble and also so powerful. It's just a little flickering flame. It doesn't look like much, just like a little baby in Mary's arms. It looks pretty humble. It doesn't look like much, but yet there was power in that child and there was power in that flame. A little flame will soon light up this room. A little flame could spread across the whole world, starting with such humble origins. It's a good metaphor. I would like to have us all be able to hold a little tiny baby for this part of the service. We don't have enough babies to go around for that, but we do have candles. And so after I pray and after the choir sings, you'll get cued by the acolytes to light your candle. And when that happens, when you're holding that candle in your hand, it's a good opportunity to say a little prayer. Maybe somebody here tonight needs the power of Jesus in your life, the power to overcome. Pray for that when you're holding that candle. Maybe somebody here tonight needs the humility of Jesus, somebody to sacrificially stand in your place to offer forgiveness. Pray for that when you hold that candle. Let me pray right now and lead us into that time. Jesus, we thank you for being 
powerful enough to overcome the consequences of our sin. And thank you, Jesus, for being humble enough to pay the price. Will you be that for all of us tonight? Will you be our Savior? Come, Lord Jesus, as we've sung several times tonight, come, come into our world, into our lives, into our church, into our hearts. Amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.